Hi, this is Tim Winter. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A digital conversation exploring the leadership experience. You can listen to it at timwinter.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to What Would Dave Do, a podcast exploring the leadership experience. I've got a great guest today. I'm super excited to spend some time. We work together at Hollywood Video. I consider him a friend, Mr. John Scales. Uh, he is the senior regional director at Sally's Beauty. And I think he also wears the moniker of the best dressed man in retail. So with that, uh, John, welcome to the show. Oh, you're funny as always. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for having me and just so admire what you're doing to really honor our, our dear friend, Dave, and one of the best human beings I ever had the honor of knowing. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I, I told <laughs> Suze the other day, I think that uh, I think Dave is smiling. So Absolutely. I really, I'm really thrilled with the, the, the people in his inner circle who are willing to do this and put themselves out. And, um, and I think, uh, probably the best thing I, I got, an, uh, uh, well, my wife got a, a Facebook notice from somebody random who uh, said she shared the podcast with somebody who needed leadership uh, advice. And then she thought that it was helping her in her own business. And I was like, okay, then, then we're succeeding. Then we're succeeding. Absolutely helping others. Helping others. So, so what have you been up to? We haven't, we talked, obviously we talked last year, but uh, what have you been up to, man? Well, uh, my wife and I had a big life change experience uh, um, the end of last summer where after living in Southern California for 46 years near the beach, my wife and I relocated to Boise, Idaho, of all places. Um, Love so, Boise. Why, so why would we do that? So we have, we have six grown children. Three of them ended up living in Boise as well as our 13-month-old granddaughter, and we wanted we're interested in relocating to Boise. We fell in love with, you know, the slower pace and the change of seasons and the fact that houses were about a third of the price of Orange County played it, <laughs> certainly played <laughs> into it. But, you know, I am so grateful to work for the company that I do, Sally Beauty, that I never thought I'd be able to, to do something this like this in my role. And they came to me and said, hey, we heard that you have a granddaughter that you'd like to be there. If you want to be there, we'll reorganize things and, and carve out a region you can be located in Boise. I go, wow, oh, that says volumes about this company. So, um, yeah, so, so far, you know, we are loving it being, you know, living in Southern California for so many years. I'm still getting used to the fact that it snowed again last night. <laughs> but right. other, than that, we, other than that, we love it. And we have a 13-month-old granddaughter and we have another uh, nine-month-old a granddaughter uh, down in San Clemente. Oh. So, wow, well, what a great story. And I, I never thought in a million years you would leave Seal Beach. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like a, a permanent fixture. Um, but but Boise's beautiful. You know, I opened Boise for, uh, for Hollywood Video and spent a yeah. lot of time there. We had a great store manager. I can't remember his last name, but Ben, Big Ben. And, uh, you know, getting great people to run a, a, a store in, in Boise is fairly easy. Um, yes. Just wonderful people there and great work ethic. But um, so Sally's Beauty. So 
am I wrong? Did Sally's Beauty used to be like only open to industry? Like you had to have a, a license and then they made the pivot to where kind of like Cost Plus did or, or these food places that used to only sell to restaurants and then now they opened them up. I think one is called U.S. Grocer or something like that. Is that is that was that the roots of it that it was only open to people in the beauty industry? It when when the company began back in actually 1964 is how long they've been around. Began in New Orleans in '64. It was targeted more toward the salon operators, but the Sally Beauty stores were always open to retail customers. And then another division evolved, which is currently in place, Cosmoprof. And there's about 2,000 Cosmoprof stores. And those are targeted only for licensed uh, beauticians, salon owners, carry all the brand name products, and they oh. come and purchase their product for their salons. And Sally Beauty is more primarily for the retail side. But when I was recruited to go there, I've been there 13 years now. You know, it's like when they reached out to me, it's like, you sure you got the right guy? You know, I have no experience <laughs> in beauty, right? Like, what, what is going on here? And I didn't know much about the company, you know, not being a customer. And then lo and behold, I find out, like, we currently have 5,000 stores in 14 countries and 30,000 employees. Wow. I had, I had no idea. And I just... You learn the product because you know, Tim, retail is especially retail, especially retail. It's all about the people and the customer experience. And it almost doesn't matter what product it is. But I just fell in love with the culture of the company and how they treat their people. You know, that's so funny because um, <clears throat> that, and you're right. It, retail is, you know, it's all the all business is people. And you get rid of the people and you've got a bunch of, you know, office space, computers and, and desks. <laughs> um and I remember, uh, in fact, I don't know if John and I talked about this, uh, John Alderson, when he was on the podcast, but I remember getting into a conversation with him that I felt that Hollywood video, because of the entertainment aspect of it, and because of what we did, that creating the exceptional experience was easier. And John says, doesn't matter. You could be a, an outhouse company, doesn't matter. Right. And I had such right. a hard time back then wrapping my head around that. Obviously now it's very obvious. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter if you have the right people who are lined around, who are lined and who have a shared vision. You can sell well, literally anything. Absolutely. And in the industry I'm in now, yes, it helps when we hire people for our stores that have a passion for beauty products sure. and some knowledge from beauty products. But as you know, a hundred percent of the time I'll hire someone who has energy and smiles and likes to talk with people and we can teach, we can teach them the rest. Right. Yeah. Oh, and hire like for attitude, said, train for skill. Yeah. For, it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what, like John had said, it doesn't really matter what industry um, it is. Oh, I, I'll tell you, I don't know how many times, you know, back in the day, managing, watching people hire people. And I'm like, wow, you're really going to push that worm up the hill? Like, why, <laughs> why not just get somebody who has a great attitude? Because you're not going to change people's attitude. Either you're friendly and you're, and if you're in retail, either you're friendly, you're outgoing, and you right. want to be of service. And either exactly. that, I can teach you all the, all the, the ins and right. outs. I can teach you the industry. But I can't teach and you, you know, how to be friendly. 
That's right. And maybe maybe I shouldn't admit this, but, <laughs> but I've kind of become famous for this in, in going to visiting visiting stores because everyone knows how passionate I am about the talent and people and and caring for the people and who we who we hire to take care of our customers. And sometimes I'll go to a store and I'll be visiting the store, talking to the store manager, walking around the store, and I'll notice that we have uh, we call them beauty advisors. We have a beauty advisor there that. I'm really not engaging with customers, really not smiling. And, you know, I'll do it in private, but I'll pull the manager aside and say, I got a question for you. You, you interviewed her, right? Well, of course. Okay. What exactly was the moment in the interview where you said to yourself, this is the perfect person for the store? <laughs> because I have not seen them smile in 40 minutes. <laughs> right? Right? Oh, and, oh. I've had that conversation so many times. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, you don't, you obviously do it in a respectful, non-constant, you know, I do it with a oh. smile on my face or a chuckle, but, of course. but you know, the, the light goes off. They get the point. It's like, yeah, I probably should have held out for somebody else. I always loved when I was traveling stores and the district manager would go into a store and the, the district manager would throw the store manager <laughs> under the bus. Well, they hire him. And I'd always say, yeah, but we have, but you have to approve everybody who works in your stores. So yeah. I, they don't report to me. You do. And uh, what's going on here? Like, like, why do you want to push that worm up the hill? It, yeah. it, it just makes no sense to me at all. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I could, I could go on for hours about this, but I'm, it just, I have such a deep passion for who we hire, making sure our stores are always fully staffed. And sometimes we make it so much harder than it needs to be. I always tell the manager, okay, so who's in the shopping center here? Oh, Ross, Marshalls, Five there is about 800 people working within walking distance of your store. You need one 15 hour a week person, right? <laughs> right. We don't need a big recruiting program. Like go talk to the managers in these other stores, observe who's given great customer service and find somebody today. That used it's to not be that hard. You know, John, this is, <laughs> well, we, you and I, you know, we play off the same playbook, but I, mm -hmm. I used to go into stores and they'd complain about hiring people. And I'd say, well, <clears throat> come on, how many people like San Francisco, how many people live here? And you yeah. need 12? Right. You need right. 12. That's, your odds are really good. But you also <laughs> exactly. have the laws of attraction. You have to, you have to create an environment that people want to work for. Right. You know, right. one of our interviews, one of my one of my uh, uh, people I recently interviewed on the podcast, Haley Hay, the way that we found her or the way that her and I, our relationship began was <laughs> she worked in the building across the street and she looked, she'd look over and go, my God, they're have what the hell do they do over there? <laughs> so one day <laughs> on her lunch, she fun. walked over and she went up the elevator and she goes, I just want to know what you guys do. Well, we're her. a development company. We, we build custom software in the entertainment space and in and in, in technology and she's like oh my god and 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 that was one of the things when i we built out that office space i wanted the lobby to feel and look like um the i i modeled it after the w hotel so you came up the hmm. elevator and there was a, a, an entry lobby as you got off the elevator and I played rock music and I had the whole thing painted orange and I had all the doors painted silver and I had little pin lights in. So it was this really kind of it felt like a disco really and our nightclub and people would get off the elevator. 
people would sometimes stop. It was a 12-story building and they would stop to go, what the heck is going on here? And it was that law of attraction. It was creating something. And that's how we got, that's how we got Haley is she looked over and said, that's mm -hmm. a place I want to be. And it's creating that in environments. And I can't tell you, I mean, if you walk into a retail store and it is dirty and it looks miserable and the people look miserable, nobody's going to want to work there. Exactly. And so, I always say, and it seems so simple, but to create a culture where people don't want to leave, it's too risky to leave. So if I go take this other job, what if I don't like it? And I love where I am right now. So right? why would I leave? It, hold up the mirror. That's why people are leaving. Like, you know, as, as we all know, it's not, you have to pay fairly and you have to be equitable, but that's usually not the top reason people leave, right? But if you, like you did, if you create that culture that is really role fulfilling, then people are going to want to leave. Number one reason people leave, even today, is a bad boss. Yep. Number one, people 100%. do not quit companies. People quit people. Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. You know, I say this all the time. I sound like a broken record. But I wonder why. Do we really need another leadership book? Yes, we really need to keep this conversation going <laughs> because there are so many people who just don't get it. And I believe coming out of the pandemic and where the world is today are, you know, things have become so marginalized. And because it is hard to get people, I get that. I, I totally understand that. But if you're creating a heroic environment where people feel valued and appreciated and they can do their best work, Absolutely. they'll work. They'll come. You'll get. Right. It's not like, you know, in any. Yeah, you guys have 30,000 people, but when you break it down, the people that are responsible, you know, you're responsible for smaller segments of that. And and you can do it. It takes a lot of, you know, people used to say, oh, Tim, you make it sound so easy. I go, it's not easy at all. I'm exhausted every day. When I come off of touring <laughs> my stores, because I leave it all there, I'm fully engaged right. with, you know, because I don't know when I'm going to get back to Lot in Oklahoma. Probably never. Right. So when I'm there for that hour and a half, <laughs> I better give it all. And I just think and that as you know, it, it, when it, at the retail store level, it, it's so interesting to see because we'll see a store that no one ever leaves and literally three miles, four miles down the road, a store that has a lot of turnover. Yep. So they're hiring from the same talent pool. So what is different? The leadership of the store and the culture that they're setting and the environment for job fulfillment that they're setting. So this store over here. Nobody wants to leave because it's so enjoyable and I may not like another job. And over here, it's like, oh, yeah, Marshall's offered me another 20 cents an hour. So I was just looking for an excuse to leave. Yep. Well, it comes down to here it is. You're either <clears throat> at one store, they're crushing rock. And at the other store, they're building a cathedral. There you go. You know, and, and, you know, it's a great segue into, you know, you and I share. I don't know if you remember this, but this is a great story. You know, you and I share. <laughs> We were regional manager of the year, zone regional manager of the year in 1996. Yeah. We shared the <laughs> stage, my friend. Yeah. Now the, yeah, now, I do, I do. Now the backstory, <laughs> the backstory, it's my competition was Brett, Joe, and Joe Cooker. Your competition was Dave Sacco, <laughs> if Ooh. you remember. That's a high bar. There's a high bar, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Regional manager and, and, of the year. And who do you think was more the happiest person there for me? Oh, of course. Dave. Dave. Oh, yeah. of course. Uh, absolutely.
Who else Mr. was Humble. in that zone back then? It was you and Dave. Wasn't it just you? Or was who? There was somebody else, wasn't there? I don't. Gosh, I can't I don't recall. I raked. I, yeah, I was no. racking my brain trying to think about that. Uh, I just remember that you and I were up there on stage. And this, again, this is why I can say the moniker of the best dressed man. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I tell you what. I could have went out and spent $10,000 on a tuxedo and I'd still look stupid. You, <laughs> you, you wear a tuxedo like James Bond. You, I, Oh my goodness. No, you do, dude. Come on. That's now my your wife thing. has got to listen to this, right? <laughs> For a good laugh. That's your <laughs> thing. You always knew. And fashion is just, I don't know, man. I didn't get that gene. I just missed it. And you just, I remember admiring, like you would wear these high-waisted pants and I don't know how you got away with it, but you did. <laughs> everything just always, and I always, you know, now granted, you know, I, you're tall and lean and well-proportioned and I'm short and fat. So, it, you know, it does, <laughs> it does play into it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was, uh, my wife was asking me, John Scales. I said, yeah, John Scales was absolutely the best dressed man at Hollywood Video. It's and funny. I, I've always kind of enjoyed the clothes and it just prompted my thought when we moved into our new house in, in Boise. <laughs> I remember walking in the house the first time I go, God, so I'm looking at my wife going, well, there doesn't seem to be a closet for you, but you know, I still like the, I still like the house. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, you were, man, you were a fashion plate. You, you That's would funny. come in, you know, you think about it, you know, it zone by Hollywood video was industrial retail, right? They were dirty right. street stores. <clears throat> they were open from 10 in the morning till midnight. This isn't mall, man. This isn't mall retail. This isn't big box retail where you're closed at six o'clock. We were seven days a week, 365 days a year from 10 in the morning till midnight. And the field leadership, I mean, it was not unusual to be working until 11 o'clock on a Friday and Saturday night. Oh, absolutely not. Right? Because we wanted to be there. We wanted to lead by example. We wanted to be there when our customers were there. Sometimes I hear some of the, some of the folks now going, really? We got to stay up until 8? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Well, I remember this. You're going to be home at 8.20. <laughs> Yeah, you just miss so much if you're not there. You know, if you're there Mondays right. and Tuesday, Wednesdays, and no, sometimes as even even as a zone vice president or as regional director, you you got to see it during showtime, and uh, right. you know whatever that is for for your particular business. So I think I know the answer. My, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Well, I was just gonna say I have been talked to my district managers now about who when we're hiring or promoting a store manager. You need to have that store manager be someone who loves the customer, not enjoys the task, right? Because right. when you love the customer, you want to be there on Friday night and Saturday. When you really enjoy the task, you want to be there on Tuesday to receive the shipment. No, we need the leader to be there when the customers are there. Right. Right. Because they're making the impact. And and that's who's spending money. But people in the like you and I, that's we wanted to be there. Oh, absolutely. That was our, I mean, call it a curse to <laughs> enjoy retail this much. But it's like, you, you know, I, God, I started to date myself like 50 years ago. I was 16. My first job was at a department store in the Schlepp and Fl Freight around. And I guess I did an okay job. So they promoted me to now I got to go 
like set up some of the displays out in the department store. And even at that young age, I would begin engaging with customers. Go, well, this is kind of what I like. This is much better than being in the back with the freight. I get to talk to customers. And I just like, I kind of just got that bug at a young age that I like this. So yeah. Oh, engaging with goes. people. I mean, <laughs> you know, my 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 you know <clears throat> consulting firm is, you know, because people matter. <laughs> and and I'll I, mm -hmm. I will I will, you know, bang that drum till my last breath that it is uh, you know, leadership is a privilege and uh, it exists because people matter. And um, it, it, you know, it's a it's an interesting I always tell people, you know, if you think about it, and it really is a good example of uh, if the United States military was taking over Ukraine, that war would have been over in about 35 days. And I'm not getting political mm -hmm. here. I'm just saying mm -hmm. the right, Russian army cannot <clears throat> function because it all has control at the top and there's no control within, there's no trust and there's no control within the field. The field managers, everything has to go up through central command. So they're not able to react. They're not able to, to, to be nimble. They have low morale. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Their, their vision and the purpose has not been clearly communicated. And you can see they are literally pushing the worm up the hill. Now they're bigger and they have more money and they have all that. So they, you know, ultimately could win might win um you know at, at the end of the day or, or or they'll settle for you know whatever they settle for but if you really look at it it's that control and when you opposed to the american military that empowers at every level of the organization now i'm not i'm not saying that the u.s military is the best form of leadership but they do have that within the organization where they can make decisions very very quickly and I think within when what we're talking about is when you have an empowered group of people who have the ability to make decisions. I used to always empower my store managers. I'd say, look, you have complete control over this four walls to create wow experiences for your customers. So how do you go about doing that? And as long as you're falling forward, I don't care what you do. Like as long right. as you're falling towards the guest. And empowering them because how am I going to run 300 video stores or be in every one of them? Right. I needed people. Well, and if I try to have the central command where everything goes through me, it just doesn't work. Well, that's, and you're doing what's best for the customer, right? Yes. We all hate that experience. If we have to do a return or we have to do something, the managers at lunch, we have to call the supervisor corporates closed. Right. Yep. And I do the same thing is like, I'm trusting you with the keys to this store for heaven's sakes. I'm going to trust you to make a decision whether we should give that customer a refund or not. And I'm always going to support you. And if, if your district manager thinks otherwise, then we will coach you in a positive, friendly manner for next time. But we will always support you doing the right thing by the customer. Yeah, you know, and it's just, it's the little things. It's not the big things. It's the little things. And if people are empowered, they'll do it. I had an experience buying a car and it was time to pick, to get our plates. And the, the, the guy, the sales manager doing the paperwork said, Hey, do you, do you want just a standard plate or do you want, you know, cause in Oregon we have 50 different plates. And I really wanted the, <laughs> um, the, the Pacific wonderland plates. They're the old 19, 
40s or 50 mm. plates, the blue with the yellow trim. Uh, they're kind of iconic and they looked cool on the car. And the guy goes, yeah, they're, you know, uh, they're really expensive if you want them. But, and I said, ah, and my wife wanted wine country plates and I wasn't going to have wine country plates on my car. So I said, just give me the standard plates. I, I, decision made. I, I don't know why I was squabbling over a couple hundred bucks for plates after <laughs> buying the car, but I was. Yeah, really, it's funny. So I was at that point, right? So the plates show up in the mail <coughs> and they're the Pacific Wonderland plates. Wow. And the guys just, I called him and he said, I, I knew you wanted those plates, Tim. So we took care of it. I enjoy, enjoy your car. And that is stuck with you and you I, share that. I'm looking to buy another car way. from him. Right. And it is such a little things. I just came back last night from visiting stores in Washington. And for 40 years, I've done the same thing when I pull into a parking lot with my district manager and they always know what the drill is. And we park, we sit there, and then they know what, the, what they're going to tell me is, here's who's working today. And Maria is the assistant manager. And she just came back from maternity leave and she had a boy and this is his name and da, 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 right? Yep. Because it's those little things. So I can go into this, it just happened the other day. So I can go into the store. They're a little nervous. The boss is coming, blah, blah, right? And introduce myself to Maria and she's expecting me to, you know, we should do this and we don't go there. Like, so I heard <laughs> you had a little boy. Six months ago, do you have any photos? Oh. She proceeds to sprint to the back room to get her phone, of right? Is what mom doesn't want to show pictures, right? Yeah. So course. you set the tone of this visit that it, it's it's not going to be a gotcha visit. We care, and it is sincere. But like you said, I can't remember three hundred stores and everybody who's doing what. So I I rely on my district manager to kind of coach me on you know what can we do. It's going to be feel good moments for them. And you know what? As you know, it breaks down barriers. And all of a sudden, they're telling you all the things you want to know. Yep. Because you're somebody I can talk to. I used to go in and look at the bathrooms. Every time I'd go to a store, I'd say, can I get the bathroom key? <laughs> Pat McCune one time thought I had a, a bladder <laughs> problem. And I said, no. I just, he goes, and then I figured it out. 100%. You just want to see if it's a clean bathroom. Because if it's a clean oh, yeah. bathroom, then you know the rest of the store is probably running pretty well. Yeah. It's it's so true. I have this thing in our stores when you when you walk in, we have an eight foot section of, of lashes and they're the most difficult thing to keep organized in the store. So that that's my kind of pet peeve. If I go in a store and that, walk in the door and that eight feet is pristine, it's like I don't even need to see the rest of the store. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you can keep that. Yeah. If you oh. keep that well, then then you are focused on your brand standards and keeping your store properly merchandised. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know what? It here's the thing, though, John, is that you you care to ask the question. It doesn't matter that you're using Cliff Notes. What matters is that you care to ask the question. There are so many people who are in multi-level leadership or who are in leadership who don't even care to ask the question of what's going on in the store. They go in. They 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 use their might. They are looking for the gotcha. They want to tell you everything that's wrong. They want to inflate themselves and then they want to leave. And it leaves everybody demoralized and it leaves. It doesn't matter that you're using cliff notes. What matters is you're asking, you're curious and you're asking the question. You and, and I know you, you're a very sincere person. You want to know 
what's happening within that store. Absolutely. Sincerely well, and genuinely. It, because you and know that comes across, right? Yeah. And people can tell by the way you listen. You know, are are you really listening to them or are you thinking about what you're gonna say? Are you thinking about your next call? You know, and, and it is those little things. Like I never answer my phone when I'm walking a store with a manager. They might hear it ring in my pocket, right? But that's a strong message that they are more important than anyone who's calling me. I used to leave it and, in my car and Larry yeah, Painter one time, better. bless his soul. <laughs> uh, Larry Painter asked me one time, he goes, I noticed you don't carry your phone. What, what happens if, uh, if Mark calls you? I said, I'll call him back. Um, yeah. I only have a finite amount of time in this store and I'm not, what, what, what happens if I answer my phone? <clears throat> right. What does right. that tell the team? I have sat in, I can't think the number of times I've sat in parking lots and got on like a WebEx call because we showed up at the store and it's like, we got a WebEx call in 10 minutes. We don't want to walk in there and then walk in the back room. Right. What is take it in the car? They won't know. And then we'll go in and they'll have our, you know, undivided attention. And I always, I always have my, it's a, I do corny stuff, but I always have my district managers. They do this thing called the favorite things with their managers. So they feel their favorite candy, their favorite music group, their favorite whatever, right? But then if you utilize that, those you said those little things. So district manager shows up at the store. They haven't been there for a month and they stop by and they buy the giant box of junior mints because they know that's the manager's favorite candy. Yep. Are they gonna, you know? And all of these things, I mean, I'm selfish about it. I'm trying to create retention. <laughs> I'm trying to create an environment that you know, like you said, when you leave the store, if it's a got you visit, what do you think that next customer experience is like? Right. right? <laughs> yeah, and you work. So, it's crazy because you work so hard to get that one customer in the store. Every customer, yeah. and then, and then it, it, it baffles my mind. It, it literally. But again, there are many, many people want to push the worm up the hill, and um, I, I just think if you understand people and the way, and, and it goes right back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it goes back to Gallup for 50 years, they've been doing it. What do people want? They want to feel valued and appreciated at work. They want to have the tools to do their job and they want a best friend. That's what, mm. that's what people right. want. Money is number 12 in the top 10 money. Yes. Mm. People need to be fair, paid fairly in that. But you know, I always ask people, would you double, if I doubled your salary, but you're going to have a terrible boss who's going to micromanage you, who's not going to grow you, who is just going to make your life miserable. <clears throat> Would you take, or you keep your current salary and you have a great boss who's going to invest in you and help right. you grow to be better. Everybody, everybody takes their current salary. And you got, as you know, you have to know the audience because this generation that we're hiring 20 somethings, right? Yep. They want to be engaged. They want to understand why you're doing that. You, you just can't hand them a price. Like, okay, well, we're all coming in at 6 a.m. and we're re-merchandising the store. Well, why are we doing that? Like, what's, why is it going to be better? Like, if you get them involved early on in why we're doing something so they have some ownership of it, it that's, I, that's what this audience and generation wants. But, I, you know, you talk about talent. You know, say... It's so much easier to be a great coach when you have Michael Jordan and LeBron James on your team. Right. Right? A, I just look so much better. So, I mean, obviously, that's where it starts. If you really are disciplined to hold out for the best of the best talent, then 
you're obviously going to be, it's going to be a lot easier to coach that type of talent. You, you kind of touched on a little bit. What, so yeah, it has changed. Uh, <clears throat> our workforce today wants to know the why. Um, they communication is super important to them. They get instant communication and in, with every other aspect of their life and they want it from their Absolutely. work. They want it from their work. Uh, and they want feedback, right? They want, they want feedback. Right. Um, and they want to know the why, uh, the old, you know, gosh, not to age ourselves, but our, in our day, uh, you know, people did what you told them to do because <laughs> that's the way it worked. And, you know, work has evolved. Um, work has changed. And I think the, the leadership how, has, has your philosophy, I mean, changed over the years. I, I, I'm kind of sensing in our, in our conversation that it hasn't, but how do you feel I about think that? For the most part, you, you are who you are. And I would like to think that I always tried to lead through a kindness, but I think the importance of it has evolved for me that in in leadership as we've been talking about it is simply all about the people anybody can design a cooler looking store you know people can come up with neater products but people are always going to make the difference but what i've seen it evolve into is you really have to have that ability to communicate in a concise informative way that inspires people you got to invest the time to foster relationships with individuals and and teams obviously be humble and give credit to others but never underestimate you know what i call just two minute things throughout my day you know one of the things that, that i do with my district managers i'll say you know text text me something you would like me to do to help inspire your team so they may text me and you know i might have a district manager in sacramento that that texts me and say you know hey just letting you know this store uh beat every financial goal yesterday and was top in the district okay i'm not going to see every one of those for 300 stores right nope. and then they give me their name and they give me their phone number to make it easy for me right yeah so all i got to do is click on that text on that phone number and you know manager susan's answer the phone and i say hey this is john i just noticed my gosh what a day you had yesterday 100 percent of the time 10 minutes later, the district manager calls me and said, okay, the manager just called me and said, you can't believe John just called me, blah, 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 right? That took two minutes of my time, right? Mm -hmm. But those little things that you can do to show that you care about your people and inspire the people and support, you know, support your district manager, you know, at the same time, but um, you just can't, you just can never underestimate, like you said, feedback. You know, people do a good job and then nobody says anything. Like, oh, I thought I might get a that a boy for that, but it's quiet. Yep. It, and it's again, it comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter that you have cliff notes. It matters that you care enough right. to do it, that you want to know that information. And it reminds me of a John Alderson story where they had a, a Starbucks when he was working at Starbucks that was, uh, it was overperforming and he wanted to go visit the store and he asked the store manager, you know, like, so what do you do? Like your team seems really engaged and really happy. And she's like, well, it, it, uh, I'm not anything really special, but well, I do do this one thing. And he goes, well, what is that? And he, well, I carry these little chocolates. And when I see people do good <laughs> things, I, I hand them one and I tell them, thank you. 
And and John was like, yes, that's it. <laughs> God, that's not a little thing. The fact that you even think right. that way or the fact that it's so beautiful and wonderful um, because, you, you know, caring about the people that you work, who work for you. And so many people just want, I'm the boss, you do what I tell you to. And it, it just, they, it just doesn't work. It, it just, well, and, and it again, hasn't worked. We, it never really worked. It doesn't right? work. No, it never really worked. Even the days of my way or the highway, nobody's going to convince me that really worked. Because we all know that if you go into a business, you go into a retail store with the whole raising your voice, got you mentality, people want that behavior to go away, right? So they're going to do what you say. But then when you leave, they're going to talk bad about you. They don't. You know, how do you inspire them that you get those desired behaviors all the time, whether you're there or not? Yep. That's just a short term. That's just a short term fix. And then, you know, and I've always believed that if if you have to raise your voice to people to lead them, then I think you need to reevaluate your leadership. Well, you know, you can always do it in a calm, respectful way. Were you at Hollywood when we did the leadership through people skills? Mm hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember that, but we had that facilitator. I had all the zone vice presidents and the the the, the SVPs mm -hmm. of ops, and that's back when I was director of training and development, and I, I had mm -hmm. that amazing team. Uh, probably one of the the highlights of my career, best times in my career, to be honest. And uh, just worked with some amazing people. And uh, I remember the facilitator, and I won't tell you who who this person was, but you can probably figure it out, um, was like, nope, sometimes you have to be an asshole. And the guy was so <laughs> fascinated by it and said, well, when? <laughs> when do you have to be an asshole? <laughs> yeah, but what does that situation exactly look like? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, people aren't listening. People aren't going to do what you're, you got to <laughs> tell them what they got to do. You know, he does this whole thing. And uh, it, it was so funny because this the person who was... The, the facilitator was a was a slight, uh, very brilliant uh, facilitator um, who had, you know, who was very unkept and had baggy pants on and his shirt didn't quite fit right. And he had tennis shoes on and but he was brilliant and he knew this information. And the other person was very well put together and uh, very, very tall. And um, and it was just it was just the funniest interaction and made him really think, I think, which was interesting, but when do you ever have to be an asshole? And, 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 want, and just went into it like, okay, so they steal from you and they close your store and they leave. Is that a time to be an asshole? Well, <laughs> and, no. You, his argument was you never have to be if you if you really believe in leadership through people skill if you really believe in and understand and take the time to understand and care about people as a leader you never need to be an asshole right I, and even if the people do that to you even if they do steal from you or don't show up to work you know maybe have the humility to hold up the mirror and go what am i doing wrong Amen. That the culture is such that this is how people are at. I had a I had a boss once many years ago that 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 said, "Well, John, I'm just gonna have to tell you, I, I just don't believe you're ever probably going to be the president of a company." 
Oh, really? Okay. Well, why do you think that? You're just not mean enough. You know, <laughs> you're just not willing. You're just not be willing to be mean enough. And, and people are going to take advantage of you. I go, well, if that's true, then I'll just cross that off my list because that's just, I, I just can't do that. That That's just not, you know, and hey, there, I would be lying if I didn't say someone has never taken advantage of that. But for the most time, I truly believe that if, if you lead through kindness and empathy, that people will respect that and you need to develop a team that wants to do things, not feeling like they need to do things. Oh, I hundred percent. I have been taken advantage of. I know my kindness and my approach. I know that some people, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to call my zone, the aromatherapy zone. <laughs> they, oh That's yeah. Great. Yeah. All you have to do is go in and as long <laughs> as you have a, you know, a, a pride board up and in some recognition, you have a diffuser in the back room <laughs> yeah. and, and you're back. Oh yeah. I, Tim doesn't look at anything. He just cares about, ah, no, I look at everything. I have my attention to right. detail. I just look and people will, but I will tell you over the test of time, the consistency that I've gotten by taking a empathetic kind approach to truly loving people and wanting their best success has paid off tenfold to you know, being an asshole. Um, it, 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 it baffles my mind uh, sometimes when some of the stuff that I see, it just literally baffles my mind. But um, so let me ask you this. Um, I have always admired your loyalty and I've always admired your longevity. And you are, I mean, thir <clears throat> 13 years now at, at uh, Sally's Beauty. You had a, a, mm -hmm. a really nice run. I know you you left Hollywood and then went to KB. And, you know, that was just a difficult time in that that business. Um, but what do you what, what do you think what attributes to your longevity or the loyalty? Is that is that just how you're hardwired? Yeah, I, I think to some extent I'm a loyal person by nature. Well, I've been married for 30 years, so that's a good sign. Uh, right. <laughs> but I, I also, I feel like I have, and I've developed this. I always wasn't this way, but over the years, I believe I've developed this ability to embrace change and adapt to things when needed. Like when I was younger, it was like, what do you mean we're going to change? This is working fine. As opposed to back up you know, listen well, take in all the data, understand why this strategy is being implemented first. So maybe it's just getting older, but I'm just not a person that at the first sign of something going wrong at the company or maybe a strategy being implemented that you don't completely agree with that rather than, well, then I'm out of here, I'm going to do something else, you know, take a step back, understand it, you know, embrace change, and, and move forward because you like every other aspect here. Maybe you just don't understand that. But I also feel like I have really tried to carefully choose the type of company cultures that I'm involved with. I mean, that's what sold me to come here was I knew a couple of people that worked at Sally that I really valued and trusted that convinced me that you are really going to enjoy the culture here 
you're going to excel in the culture here. And, and they were right. And so that, that's a, that's a big part of it. I think if I was working for a company, like you said, that led through, you know, intimidation and gotcha visits and yelling at people, I'd be out right away. I, I, I simply could do that. I need to work in an environment that cares about its people. As I said before, it leads to kindness and empathy, you know, promotes personal and professional growth and truly is customer centric. I'm just, you know, you, you, I know you're the same way, you know, we've been this way all our life. You, if you're in, if you're in one of your retail stores and a customer isn't being helped, you literally get a sick feeling in your stomach. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, it's that bad, right? right? Oh yeah. I do it to companies I don't work for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my, my wife has labeled me the, um, she calls me manager man, uh, because sometimes we'll be in a, in a retail store and there's really bad service and I'll, I'll want to fix it because it's, a, well, it's, your it's painful. Kinder than, like my wife just, she just doesn't want to go shopping with me, period. <laughs> <laughs> because I will do, I, I will, I will, we were literally in the store getting some furniture when we moved here and it hadn't shown up on time. And we go in there and they start telling us that, well, what you should do is you need to call customer service and then you need to go on the website and do this. And you, and I, I couldn't control myself. It's like, Okay, can we define the players here? We're the customer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they're giving, they're, they're reciting. You know, no, these are things you are going to do on our behalf to get our furniture to it. You know what? What's funny about that though is <laughs> when you don't create trust and you don't empower people, you rely on rules, right? And then yeah, you give well your said. you give yes. your you give your stores you give your people rules, and the only person right. who loses in that right. is the customer. Yeah, because on page seven, paragraph two, it says, if the furniture isn't there on time, tell the customer to call customer service. You as opposed it. to, I wonder what the right thing is to do right now by the customer. Yeah. And I, like you said, and I'm empowered to do whatever I need to do to make them happy. That's why I got Pacific Wonderland plates, because that guy was empowered <laughs> to do the go. right thing. It would have been really yeah. easy. He could, the I, plates would have, my expectation was low. They were going to be the normal plates. You should have right, seen right. running around the house. It and was that's when I think about, you know, we're we're in a, I mean, we have a, a excellent e-commerce business and an omni-channel business, but we are primarily, you know, brick and mortar. And we talk to our teams all the time about, why don't they just sit on their couch and order these products? Because of you. Mm -hmm. Because they can come in here and they're going to learn from you about how to color their hair or how to do their nails or skincare or what what have you and i don't think that's ever going to go away no you know people if you have the type of environment and knowledgeable people to help you otherwise yeah of course i'll just sit on my couch and or you'll order these products online well and you know jeff bezos knows that the best i mean he says it all the time there will be a day when amazon doesn't exist i mean Sears used to be the largest corporation in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My 15 year old son doesn't even know what a Sears is. Oh, yeah. Or a JCPenney. Or or JC, right? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and then Exxon yeah. was. And then mm. Apple is. And, and it's, it's amazing. And, and Jeff Bezos is, I, I, I was reading an article and he's like, oh, no, well, they all have their, their, their cycle. And he right. knows that. 
And and I think you're absolutely right. I think I, I think there's a, a in the moment aspect to your business too, where um, you know people want to do things. And uh, if you continue to provide that education, information, great experience, um, yeah, it's never going away. I, I, we, we implemented we we implemented two hour delivery, and I'm on the call, you know, with the marketing merchandising team and the the tech folks, introducing how we're going to do two hour delivery. And I'm sitting to myself thinking, who needs like hair color within two hours, <laughs> right? Like, and I was so wrong, so wrong. Yeah, it is mind boggling to me how many people. Well, you know, they're she's at work. And it's three o'clock and it's like, oh, I think I'm gonna, you know, color my hair tonight. And I'll just go on tellydd.com, I'll do the two-hour delivery. And when I get home at 5:30, it'll be there. I was appalled. Like, what? This well, is amazing to me. Well, plus we've trained people, right? We've trained people. Absolutely. We've but we've we've set the expectation that this instant gratification and, well, and, and that's instant the, delivery. That's the key. So then that, you have to match it, right? Right. And Amazon, like you said, I mean, they're the bar, right? I mean, if somebody goes on to our website and orders, it better be there in two days because, you know, Amazon might get in here this afternoon. Yep. So, I mean, if you get into day three, you're failing yeah. at oh, this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. It, it really yeah, is. So it there's is. an expectation out there. Who, right. who, so, so John, your wealth of knowledge and experience, and I love all the little tactics that you use. I know it comes from a genuine place. I know that you, you know, you and I share that we, we, we operate from the same playbook. Um, but who do you admire? Who's a leader out there that you admire that you follow or who, who's somebody you admire? You know, we, we had talked about this earlier and, and, and there's so many for so many different reasons, right? But the person I came back to, I don't particularly know well, Howard Bihar, who used to be the president at Starbucks, um, and oh, many years ago, they were recruit. They had recruited me for a field VP role, and I had a chance to spend, I think, three occasions and a dinner with Howard. Now, you know, for the record, I didn't get that role or the what would now be million dollars in stock options. Sure, with that, you know, but but you know, been I'm a there. Good guy. I still <laughs> I still drink their coffee, but. Um, and Howard's retired now and really successful author and speaker. But really what resonated with me, and I'm sure you've read his books and listened to him speak, like he's like the ultimate servant leader. Mm -hmm. And it just aligns with my beliefs. It just, it just resonated with me. Like, yes, that's who I want to be. Like, I believe deep down in my soul that I work for my people. When I go to that store, I'm not there to get guys. I'm there to learn from you. How can we provide for the customer better? How can we give you better product? How can we make your job simpler so you can spend more time with your team? Like I'm working for you here. And I just, he is just to me like the ultimate servant leader and love to listen to him, love to read his books. And uh, he was uh, really nice to, you know, just to get to know just a little bit, many, God, but this is going further back than I care to share. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, it's those, it's those people have influences on you and on your career. And sometimes mm -hmm. they're, you know, you like a John Alderson. I mean, John Alderson for me was 
he he transformed my 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 career and uh and really my my life um i owe him a lot um but i also when i was at school of rock and i worked with uh with matt ross uh matt ross was he came into my life at the perfect time. He used to have this great saying. He would say to me, Tim, make rain. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> not make it rain, but make right. but <laughs> make rain. And uh, you know, really it's it's interesting. You know, you go to these, you have these people who come into your life. That was one. Uh back in the day, Max Fratto. I'll never forget Max Fratto. Oh boy. Oh my, yeah, I'm, I'm really dating us now, but Max, I'll never forget the first meeting in Minneapolis. And we had an eight o'clock meeting start time and we had gone to, well, gosh, I can't even remember the name of the place, but they had pool and people were having a few cocktails. We had dinner there and um, maybe some people drank too much. And uh, at eight o'clock, Max was downstairs and the meeting was starting. And he looks at me, he goes, Tim, will you shut those doors and lock them? I said, well, not everybody's here yet. He right. goes, but it's eight and we're starting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And and we started the meeting. He goes, they, they can come in at the first break. And I was like, oh, like you're not being an asshole. The you're not. Your meeting started at eight o'clock. You can come in at the first break. The, the way those people <laughs> felt sitting out in that lobby. <laughs> yeah. What part of eight o'clock did you not understand? Right. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't have to yell and That's scream. Great. He didn't have to do anything. He just started Message his meeting sent. on time. Message sent yep. and received, sir. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. I, I oh, oh, Max. I, I love it. And and then he, he, you know, he comes up to me and he goes, "Just so you know, Tim, I had one gin and tonic. The rest were wa were just tonic." But I said, "I get you, Max. Sure. I get you." Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, pay attention. Pay attention. Just, just being a, yeah. you know, it's that self-management, the four pillars of leadership. It's about vision, communication, mm -hmm. positioning, surround yourself with great people and self-management. And so many people fail at the self-management. Right. They, you know, so true. That's, that's the hard one. So what yeah. advice Be would prepared. you give? Okay. So there's some, but it is interesting how these mm -hmm. things come into your <clears throat> life. I mean, you know, how many times have we attended conferences or something and, you know, it's three days and. I always take one or two things away. I was at a, a conference in Bend and it was the guy, he was the senior vice president of marketing. His claim of fame was um, he's the guy who came up with those Gordon fish sticks that were uh, the commercial where they were jumping, flipping out of the, the freezer uh, uh, case. <laughs> so they were that mm -hmm. fresh that the fish were still flipping in. Uh, it was, I, I remember it to this day. I mean, it was a really rememberable, uh, uh, um, <coughs> iconic commercial and uh and i got to listen to him speak and and he had this great thing he said you know the is it about right now or just right later hmm. and that stuck with me <laughs> like about yeah. right now or just right later and so many of us get hung up on perfection which prevents <laughs> progress or action you know, about exactly. right now, and sometimes things need to be just right and they do need the time. So that is an item that is just right later, but about well, right you now. Well, the real learning for, for me and our company was during COVID because, you know, when COVID hit and we closed down our stores and then quickly reopened with curbside 
sales only. And then we had had a strategy laid out to launch buy online pickup at store and two hour delivery later on. But now the world changed and how people are buying things changed. So we need to implement this like yesterday. Yep. And it was 80% right to your point. But you know what? That's okay. We'll, yep. we'll fumble through the other 20% because we need to give this to our customers now. This is how they're telling us they want to shop. So you don't wait till it's perfect. No, and it's you about know right now. We launched, we launched it before all of our competitors did. Well, and then that goes so, back to helping to explain. Mm -hmm. Like I tell my team, like, hey, this is gonna, this is an about right now decision. We'll we'll get to the just right later, but I'm just mm -hmm. letting you know. I I know you can poke holes in this, but this is why we're doing an about right now decision. Exactly. And then they get it. Yeah, it's interesting. So right, right. So you're lots of experience. What there's a new uh, brand new regional director starting first time at the helm, what advice would you give them? You know what? The, the first things that comes to mind is, is something that someone told me many years ago, which is seek to understand <laughs> and be humble. You know, sometimes people come into a company and, and their heart's in the right place. They want to make a contribution immediately, but they don't know what they don't know yet. So just step back, learn, seek to understand be humble sometimes people want to jump in oh yeah my old company we did this we did that we did this okay guess what we don't care <laughs> <laughs> and you know so seek to understand and then as we've been talking about you know it it's all about building your team but when you if a, if a new regional director comes in they're going to inherit a team right and this is the third or fourth region i've run for for sally and every time I come in, obviously I'm gonna assess the field leadership, right? And you're gonna be mindful about that and intentional about that. And you're not gonna procrastinate it, but you, you still want to do it in a thorough and, and caring way, certainly before you think about making any changes. Um, be a great listener. And one thing I always believe is because I truly lead through kindness and empathy, I always remind others at times, like, do not misunderstand my kindness and empathy for a lack of accountability. Right. I'm still, you can still hold people fully accountable and be calm and nice about it. It doesn't mean like, oh yeah, well, you know, John's a good guy. So I just, you know, won't do this when it's supposed to be done or how it's supposed to be done. No you're still held fully accountable and you will be held accountable, but we're not going to raise our voice and scream and yell about it. You know, I have a, a great story. I'll, I'll, I'll readers digest version of that, but it really, <laughs> when I left, I, I moved uh, into the West coast. I was in the Midwest at Hollywood and uh, there was a new regional or new zone vice president taking over my area. And a couple of my district managers were very, very concerned you know, based on reputation. Sure. Okay. And mm -hmm. um, the one in particular was Greg Rose and, and he lived in Nebraska and he was a, a district manager for us in, in Nebraska and, and ran unbelievable stores. Uh, it, it was just a great, great district manager. Um, and uh, I ran into him, of course, you know, I moved and 
things changed. And I ran into him at a leadership conference and uh, I was in line to get breakfast and he was there and he's like, oh my God, Tim. And we talked and he goes, you want to do breakfast? I said, yeah, let's sit down. And uh, we're eating breakfast and I'm catching up on the kids and how his life is doing and, and just his family and his wife. And, and we get done and he, he pauses and he looks at me and he goes, you know, you were the toughest boss I ever worked for. Hmm. I thought Great. it was going to be so hard when you left <clears throat> because of, the, of my reputation of what I heard, but they don't care like you care. They don't see the details. They don't have your same standards. It's actually quite easy. And I was like, did you, but you kept the standards because you wanted to. There's nobody making me do this. This is this is my work ethic. This is what I stand for. This is right. the kind of, I want to create a heroic environment. In order to create a heroic environment, it takes a tremendous <clears throat> amount of work. And he's like, oh, no, no. I, I'm just telling you, Tim. And, and it's exactly what you just said. People, oh, Tim, the funny guy, the nice guy. He's so fun. He's so nice. But he has extremely high standards. And you are completely accountable. When I tell you, you have the four walls and you can do whatever you want to create wow experiences. That's a tremendous amount of accountability. Right. Absolutely. It's, 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 I know it's always, it's always perceived as well. John was perceived as weak at Hollywood. And John was the, the strongest leader that that company ever had. Hmm. John Alderson. Mm -hmm. And the most thoughtful and yeah. did more to move the culture into a direction to become a, to, to really create what we wanted to create from the very beginning. And, and I, and I can say that because I was there when we, you know, from seven sure. stores to over 3000 and, and two brands and, you know, uh, raising, uh, you know, uh, capital going public uh, and then, you know, selling. And then staying on with the new organization. So my, my history is pretty, you know, in depth. And I know yeah. all the players. I right. always tell people I know where where all the closet doors are and where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> and right. I, I can tell you that. I know that for a fact. There were lots of great leaders. Do not take this the wrong way. There were lots of great people. Mark Waddles had an amazing vision. He's an incredible entrepreneur. But the person who really moved that needle to creating exceptional, which was in our, mm -hmm. our mission, to create exceptional experiences for our internal external customers was, was John Alderson. And he was, he was a hard man to work for because his standards were very high. Yeah, it's so interesting what you said, because I've experienced the same thing that, that from an outside perspective, there's sometimes a perception that this person is nice or this person has a good sense of humor or they're enjoyable to be around. So they must let people get away with stuff. I feel exactly the same way you described. If you talk to people that have worked with me over the last 20 years, I think the one commonality would be, yeah, he had really high standards. Yep. And so that's the interesting piece. But but we always try to have that standard, like continue to stretch them, but not not make it impossible that they can never achieve it, right? Yep. But still, still good people want to be stretched, right? Absolutely. And if you give mm -hmm. them the autonomy and you give them the guidance, <clears throat> the leadership, not direction, right. leadership. 
They'll What's that old saying? You want something done, give it to a busy person. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, but that's so, it's so true. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll tell my district manager, it's like, well, why, why are you overwhelmed? Well, why is there so much? Uh, why don't you get, let your store managers be store managers? Right. Well, why are you writing their schedule or why are you doing this or what? They need to do their job so you can do your job. I remember so you'd be surprised if you let them do it, that they would like to do their, their job. Yep. Well, again, it's empowering people. It's creating leaders at all levels yeah. of your, whatever your organization is, you're creating leaders. If you're a store manager, you have 12 associates, you're creating leaders throughout your entire organization. So when you're not there, good decisions are being made. When you're a district manager, exactly. you might have 125 associates and 12 store managers or 15, whatever the number is. And, You've got to create leaders within within your entire and then you and and above you and it's creating leaders throughout the organization. It's not. It doesn't end with you <laughs> or or end with the district manager. No, if they're doing it right, they're creating leaders throughout their organization. Right. Um, well, we're coming up. I, I again, gosh, John, you and I could go down memory lane and talk, and we're and we're so aligned, <laughs> and we're so aligned, yeah, exactly. That we could just, say it at the same time. Yeah, we finish yeah. each other's sentence. But <laughs> this is what would Dave do? And you had a very unique relationship with Dave because you worked very closely as peers. Um, I know you had a friendship. Um, so let's uh, let me ask you my final question. And uh, what's your favorite Dave memory and or story? So before I tell you the story, just a quick little anecdote. So, and you'll remember this. So when we were at Hollywood in the early days, and budgets were tight. And I remember being a little surprised. So I told like, at like a regional level that, yeah, you're going to come to Wilsonville for a meeting. You guys need to share rooms. <laughs> oh, I'm going to share hotel rooms. Okay. So I remember sharing rooms with, with Dave. And oh my goodness, like we would be, we'd be talking about business into the wee hours. We'd be talking about family. We'd have each other practically in tears laughing. And, and I recall like when we evolved, it was like, no, that's okay. I just didn't share with Dave. That's why, <laughs> right? That would, be, that would be, that would be more fun, you know? But the thing that really comes to mind, the kind of person that he was is, you know, we've all gone through this. When I went to KB Toys, uh, I was there for a few years, stayed through their going through their bankruptcy. Um, what an experience um, from a people standpoint. And then I find myself with, you know, five kids at home and I don't have a job. And when companies go bankrupt, they're not giving big severance packages, <laughs> right? Right. So as you, as we all know, I mean, that can play tricks on your self-esteem. Because you've been pretty successful for all these years, then all of a sudden, you know, you're sending a resume to somebody that literally looks identical to the job description and nobody's calling you for an interview. Yep. I was like, well, how, who are they calling if they're not calling me? Like, this is, and it can play tricks. And I remember, you know, there'd be days that I would reach out to Dave and, you know, I don't know that I ever bothered to say, do you have a few minutes or is this a good time? And I'm sure there were times where he was up to his eyeballs and stuff going on. And he always made you feel like you were the only person on the planet. 
that nothing mattered except this conversation and I'm going to be a good listener. And I would always get off that call feeling more comfortable, comfortable, feeling more confident. And it, it was so meaningful to me. And I, I hope I did a good enough job in sharing how instrumental he was really in, in my mental health and, and my confidence, because you could always count on Dave. Oh, yeah. It's almost mean, hard to get through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he made the art of listening. He could teach a class on the art of listening. He was, uh, I know towards, um, uh, in the last couple months, um, him and I were on the phone quite a bit and, um, somehow it always would become about my problems, <laughs> even though we were talking, hmm. you know, he just had this uh, unique ability to be able to absorb and, uh, and really look at it from a perspective that was hopeful, I think. Uh, right. 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 And he had that positivity and just that, you know, he was so calm and, uh, and, and so delightful, uh, in those moments. And I get it. I mean, Mark Brands and I, at the same time, they were like, no, you guys don't have to share rooms anymore. Well, we're kind of used to it. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I, like, okay, this isn't going to be fun. Um, you know, we had the routine down and uh, that was great. You, and you were very fortunate to, uh, to, um, to have Dave as a roommate. And a lot of it was business. It's like, you know, we would be going for a meeting and so maybe we'd be doing a presentation and, and we'd share and we'd learn from each other. But yeah, usually I just recall a lot of, a lot of laughter <laughs> and a lot of fun. And obviously had all of us, we had family so in common that that was our priority and that's what we cared about the most. You know, it's so funny is everybody always thought I was the funny one, but Dave wrote so much of my material. Oh <laughs> my God. I mean, he was the, he was the funny one. Yeah. So, so it, you're right. And I, I love, I so love that kind of sense of humor. Cause I, I have to admit, I tend to be more center of attention guy humor, uh -huh. you know, uh, not that I'm like, I don't go into an environment with, like premeditated. I'm going to be the center of attention, but over the years I've tried to become more conscious. Like, you know, you don't have to be the first to respond. You don't always, always have to crack a joke. This, this type of this type, but it's funny. I don't know if this happens to you. Like if I try too hard, People will literally call me after a conference call. Is there anything okay? You got, you're okay? You feeling okay? <laughs> I go, yeah, I'm good. Why? He goes, I don't know. You're a little quiet. You know, I didn't hear any jokes. Like, well, I was trying to be, you know, let everybody else speak. But, but Dave had that great sense, that, that sense of humor that it maybe it wasn't as frequent, but it was a material when it happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, there were so many times that I got credit for material that I did not write. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and people oh. would just uh and, and Dave would sit there quietly and he'd giggle under his breath and then you know I would say it out loud and uh yeah that that uh, many 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 memories well well John you are a wealth of information I think uh, the listeners are really going to enjoy it I think uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today and uh and just sharing your experience uh it's been um, it's been delightful i've really enjoyed the time well i appreciate the opportunity tim and it, it was a great reminder of how aligned we are yeah in, in our styles i knew that but uh and again i'm so grateful of, of how you're honoring our 
our dear friend. And I know that he probably had a few chuckles over the last 90 minutes <laughs> listening in. Well, so, I sure hope so. And, uh, yeah. you know, I do feel, I do feel like I'm collaborating with Dave on this project. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not doing it alone. I really do feel it, it, it's kind of cathartic. I, I get to kind of work with Dave again. And uh, that's really yeah. how it feels. Because every time I do something, I ask, like, I'll give a here. If you look at the very first artwork for this, it said, what would Dave do with host Tim Winter? And I, I looked at that and I thought, that just doesn't feel right. This is not about me. Hmm. Yes, I'm the host, but I'm the host because somebody has to be the host. But I, it just didn't feel right. So I had their artwork redone. And now it just is, what would Dave do? And it's those those kind of those steps of of going through this process and uh, sure. of doing this, and I just felt that that was a little too self serving, and that that wasn't the intent of this uh, of this podcast. The intent of this podcast was to really honor Dave and to keep the the conversation about this kind of leadership in the forefront. Yeah, which he so much would have admired and appreciated. I sure hope so. So absolutely. Well, John, thank you very much again. Don't be a stranger. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation. And I, again, I so appreciate you being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed every minute of it. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Tim. Take Cheers. care. Bye. Bye-bye.